welcome back to the Hard Call Ministries podcast. This is episode eight, and I am one of your hosts, Mike Moriarty, and with me as always is my dear friend and brother in Christ, Mike Quintus. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be having another chat. Yeah, it man, it has been wild and busy these past uh, these past few weeks. Uh, I know I have to apologize uh, on my part to the listeners. It's been pretty busy since uh, the last episode. Uh, we I finished up my semester at college. I'm actually still waiting on grades uh, as of this recording for at least one class, but had a lot of finals to take, had a lot of papers to finish off, but uh, finished strong. God is good, and it's uh, two years in the books, so one more year to go, or two more years to go. And uh, besides that, I just started a new job during the summer and everything. So it's been it's been pretty busy on my end. So I am uh, sorry that we've been away for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been a little bit. Um, I, I uh, uh, fortunately am done with that chapter of my life uh, for That's now. Right. Congratulations. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So. Uh, uh, yep, just just finished my master's, and um, I, I I may go for a doctorate in the future, but uh, we'll 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 see where the Lord leads. Uh, if I do, it's it's not going to be until um, both the kids are, are are out of the house, you know. Yeah, so I, I hear you. But uh, you you got your master's. You can uh, you you went farther than uh, Anakin Skywalker ever went. So yeah, that that's right. That's you you right. can take a seat and get the title. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm I'm one day beyond Order sixty six. So you know, yeah. Uh, well, we're we're back and uh, we're going to be back on schedule now. And uh, despite the break, we are still going with our ongoing series on the doctrines of grace, and we're almost done. We're on number four of five, and we are on the I of the tulip acronym so to this uh on this episode we are going to be speaking about irresistible grace and uh this is uh just like all of them this one is going to be fun and uh, i think we'll just open up real quick with a definition just to give a baseline of what irresistible grace is and uh, i'm going to continue using these definitions from uh, john macarthur and richard mayhew's systematic theology uh biblical doctrine is the name of it and the definition they give is that irresistible grace is the grace of god in the act of regeneration by which god efficaciously opens blind eyes to the glory of christ and communicates spiritual life to the sinner's dead heart another name for this doctrine which uh, i i really like is effectual grace or effectual calling this one gets uh this one tends to get uh just like all the the doctrines of grace this one tends to get uh, derided, degraded, uh, misidentified, uh, misunderstood, and uh, generally given a bad name because quite often people just don't seem to actually understand what is being said because they don't actually understand uh, understand Calvinistic doctrines and the doctrines of grace. Like some people will, will say, oh, you're a Calvinist, so you worship Calvin, uh, which is 
obviously not the case. Uh, we just happen to be in agreement with Calvin that we believe that this is what the Bible teaches. So this is not what we would call a man-made doctrine. This is doctrine that develops out of understanding and reading Scripture. So, of course, that means we're going to have to go to the Scripture to see where this comes from. Uh, the first uh, text we're going to look at it comes from John's Gospel, and it's chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. It says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I think this text really highlights that the better name for irresistible grace is probably effectual grace or effectual calling, because it states here that this is not about man's ability to grasp grace or even receive grace on his own power, his own will and volition, but it is purely the will of God that, that man receive and get grace. The other text comes from John's Gospel as well, and it comes from chapter 6, verse 37. It says, All that the Father gives me, and we've, we've used this text uh, through, throughout this series, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Uh, this, of course, uh, goes to uh, the perseverance of the saints, which will be the next episode that we have. But this shows that when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And in this case, it is giving grace to those who he has chosen. And the last text comes from Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 18. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens who he desires. So again, this is showing that God's grace, while a gift, is effectual and will do exactly what God intends for his grace to do. And this, of course, comes back to what is at the center of the doctrines of grace and what is really at the center of Reformed theology, and that is that God is absolutely sovereign over not just everything outside of us, but he is sovereign over the salvation of those that he chooses to save as well. Amen. Amen. So when I was um, when I was doing some uh, some preparation for for this discussion, I, I listened to to RC's uh, teaching on uh, irresistible grace, or, or he he pins it effectual grace, and and, and rightly so. It, it was really eye opening um, the the way that he laid it out, um, and and I like in his example. Uh, he he talks about he talks a, 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 about how we can't use irresistible to refer to this because we we know and 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 you, you kind of covered some of it already, Mike. We we know that we resist God. We resist God all the time. Yes. Um, it's it, it's just a matter of of to to what degree, and then 
what other forces are impacting are resisting, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think, you know, I think Jonah, Jonah's a good example because, uh, recently I've been, I've been learning more about Nineveh and their culture and their society and, um, how horrific it was. Like there, there was a reason like, like Jonah wasn't just binge watching Netflix and he's like, nah, God, I can't, I can't go to Nineveh today. You know, <laughs> like, 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 like God was asking him to go down to the corner store or something. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a, a horrific place where, you know, um, uh, I, I believe it was said that, that they had uh, cannibalism there. They, you know, they skinned humans alive, you know, do, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, and he was, he was horrified at that. Um, and, and he had a fair lack of trust in, in God to secure him and he resisted. Um, and then, and then God graciously sent him an Uber, uh, (laughs) you know, and, and delivered him directly to Nineveh. I mean, so, you know, uh, we do, we do resist you know, we, we do it all the time, and, and that's why we undergo um, progressive sanctification, right? If there was zero resisting whatsoever to every aspect of, of the Word of God, what is there to sanctify? Exactly. Well, and, and it's not just that. When it comes to the resisting, and the, the, the thing is, is we... It, it comes back to it. It comes back again to to total depravity, and that resisting that you're, you're speaking of outside of God's grace, we, we we can't overcome our resisting and and rebelling against God. Romans three eleven. There is none who understands. There is none none who seeks for God. We we will outside of God's grace and His His mercy. We will continue to not seek. For God, and we will resist Him uh, unto the final day, until un, unto judgment, unless God uses this effectual grace to regenerate us, to take out our heart of stone, and to give us a heart of flesh. And I, I think that tends to go over somehow go over the heads of our Arminian brothers in that. But but then if you have if you have that somewhat synergistic. Uh, view of salvation you're working with god and you're choosing god and that you have some little bit to do with it whether you actually understand that or not if you're are in the arminian camp then of course you're going to choose him but and uh, and you know we'll we'll get into this when we get into the first first of the uh, contentions that people have with this doctrine is that they they think that because it's irresistible, it's forced on us, and therefore it's not a gift because you have to willingly receive a gift. And they, uh, they, 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 the people who do not like this doctrine tend to grate against that. They don't like that. Right, absolutely. Anything that removes man from the center, um, you're, you're always, you're always going to see people fly in the face of that, even, even those claiming the name of Christ. Um, and that's and that's that's really telling of of somebody's um, theology. You know, if 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 you can if you can just outright pose um, uh, some of these harder doctrines, you know, very simply to them um, in, in in I mean, 
take take your choice. You know, you, you could you could always go right to the uh, the sledgehammer of um, uh, of of election. But mm-hmm. as soon as you pick any of these doctrines that remove man from the center of control, uh, oh no, oh you're gonna have a fight on your hand. Absolutely not. And I and I know we'll get into this. And the thing is is you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ that would would disagree with us on this. Uh, I, I give the benefit of the doubt to many of them that they don't they don't purposefully put man at the center of this. It seems to be a symptom rather than uh, the purpose of why they do that. But it also comes from an erroneous understanding of exactly what free will is, and because free will has been drilled into the Christian mind so much, particularly really in the last mm, century or so. Um, oh yeah, r- really si- since the second. Uh, not so great awakening. When you mess with the free will aspect of, of of their doctrine, that's when it really starts to fall apart for them because they have an erroneous and and a unbiblical view of what free will is. And, right. Uh, and you know, yep. I think uh, I think the the reformed catechisms and and confessions help give a really good understanding and explanation of what that is. And as you, you do have free will, and we've said this before, you have free will, but you don't have autonomy. God does not injure secondary causes in the will of man, but all of that is done to, to affect his providence and his will. And, uh, okay. Two things, two things. Yeah. One, one, you are like skipping the main course and getting right to dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and two What's wrong with that? <laughs> and two, you got to remember, I'm the layman side of this. So explain <laughs> to me what secondary causes of man are and well, what are primary causes? Well, primary cause would be God, secondary causes would be man. So and uh you know, I'm uh, I'd like to say I'd be able to find it real quick. Uh, I do happen to have uh, you probably won't find a Baptist that uses the Westminster Confession of Faith as much as I do, but uh, I do really love the wording of of the Westminster Confession of Faith, the, a lot of the detail that it goes into, um, particularly the, the larger and shorter catechisms. Um, I really enjoy those. So in the Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 3, it speaks of God's eternal decree, and I think we've said this on this show, this particular one actually, it says, God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own free, uh, his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass, yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. So what it's saying is that the secondary causes is man's will. We do make our choices. God does not override our choices. But our choices do not overpower God. Uh, the, the, the idea that we have free will, and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of evangelicals try to wrap it up in this warm, fuzzy thing, uh, a, a warm, fuzzy way of explaining it. It's like, well, God wants you to freely choose him because that's actually love. Because if you didn't choose him, then it wouldn't be love. He'd be forcing himself upon you. I've, I've actually heard really ugly language from uh, uh, from some evangelical pastors and preachers that have said that that to, to say otherwise would be accusing God of committing spiritual rape, which, 
is oh my pretty, goodness oh is my a goodness. pretty uh heavy thing to say yeah that that that's a nasty heresy right there yeah i i i, I don't think that's something that needs to be said uh, especially because it's wrong but uh the, the the thing is if you read scripture we cannot and we will not freely choose god we will not and what this doctrine and the other doctrines of grace help outline and explain is that the only way we can and will freely choose God out of love, adoration, is when God regenerates us and makes us able to do so. Just like the definition we gave at the beginning, it's efficaciously opening blind eyes to the glory of Christ. And once, right. that's, once that happens... You will choose God because you wouldn't choose the alternative, but you can't yeah. do that with a fallen and depraved mind. Because once right. you're once God regenerates your heart and opens your eyes to Christ and you see that and then you think hell is on the other side if I choose no, you won't choose no, you you will choose God. So it is a free choice. You do you, like you and I would say you do the thing. Only because God makes you able to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a a absolutely. Um, if uh, by divine providence man sprouted wings tomorrow, what would man do? Oh, he he would just he would just you know dopely walk along the ground and drag these you know beautiful wings behind him. No. <laughs> uh, you're going to have a bunch of people jumping off of their sheds, learning how to use those wings and fly. They never had the option before. It wasn't yep. even a thing they could conceptualize uh, be before it was uh, gifted to them. Yep. Well, I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into it, so we might as well move into that first contention that, that comes up, and we're going to cover two of them. So with the, these contentions, we're going to take them again from the article that we've been following from, uh, by Keith Ribas, and we're going to have all these links in the show notes that you can use to, to get around and see these things. But the, the first contention that is made is that if this doctrine is true, then grace is forced on us, and therefore it's not a gift, because you have to be able to accept gifts, so it has to be a free will act that the person does on their own. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the scripture scripture proof that's that's used for this is uh, from Matthew seven and it's verses uh, seven through twelve. And uh, you can cross reference this with Luke chapter eleven verses nine through thirteen. And uh, you know we're all very familiar with this passage. It says, "Ask and it will be given to you." Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Where if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, Give what is good to those who ask him. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. And, I mean, this is a wonderful section of scripture that shows how 
how doting our Father is on us, the, the children that he has freely and sovereignly adopted into his family, and that he gives us what is good for us, whether we think it's good or not, right. all things are for uh, the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. But, uh, you know, this contention is that if it's forced on us and it's, quote-unquote, irresistible, how is it possibly a gift? Well, I mean, what's what's your first response to this, Mike? Um, it, it, it's just... So un- unfortunately, Keith just starts at at such such a bad place with all of this. So, so there's th- this is this is the type of person where you're you're not going to be able to um, really convince them otherwise because they're starting with a false premise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's the kind of thing where. Um, you know, Vadi Bakum would say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to anybody. I'll answer any question that anybody has, um, you know, and, and they can they can say whatever they want. But at the moment that they accuse me of saying something I did not say, you know, I, I'm going to call them out on it because because you're starting from rocky ground. You're starting from a place where you don't have true understanding. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in fact, I don't. I don't really understand how he's using this as an example to talk about uh, grace being a gift. It's almost like he did a word search in the Bible and said, hey, here's a verse with the word gift in it. <laughs> you, you know you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess the only thing that he's trying to prove here is is that God gives good gifts. Well, okay, thank you, and water's wet, and, you know, the sky is up, you know, yeah. but that has nothing to do with grace and the application and the, uh, the, the effectual application of grace um, for those who are elect. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of... Um, He's he's kind of he's kind of out there a little bit, if you ask me. I agree. It it uh, it comes from a, a misunderstanding of what the doctrine is actually claiming and what the doctrine is stating. And as we've already gone over, it's uh, you know the the uh, the series that you mentioned, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes that R.C. Sproul yeah. did on the doctrines of grace uh, is one of the best one of my favorite teaching series that Sproul ever did and it does such a wonderful the the only one that that I'd say is on the same level is uh, the series that John MacArthur did uh, and of course those two go hand in hand those two great preachers <laughs> and theologians uh yeah. you can't you can't have one without the other you know yeah that's right and uh, and uh and he does a great job in explaining what they are and he you know he we agree with him in that there really is better name. There really are better names for these doctrines, and uh, effectual calling or effectual grace would be better for this one because that that actually explains what the doctrine is trying to say. It's not a matter of irresistibility, or or because it 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 introduces this this feeling of tension between the one who is called and the God that is calling them, and right. that, that's not what it's saying. That, that that's not what it's saying at all. One way of looking at this, and, and we'll, we'll look at Scripture too, but uh, the Westminster Larger Catechism, uh, question number 67, speaks on this, and I think it, it, it does a good way of, of showing how it's still a gift and that you're still accepting it and accepting God, but it's not because of your own will. Uh, question 67 states asks, asks, what is effectual calling? 
and that would be what is irresistible grace. Effectual calling is the work of God's almighty power and grace, whereby out of his free and special love to his elect, and from nothing in them moving him thereunto, he doth in his accepted time invite and draw them to Jesus Christ by his word and spirit savingly enlightening their minds, renewing and powerfully determining their wills, so as they, although in themselves dead in sin, are hereby made willing and able freely to answer his call and to accept and embrace the grace offered and conveyed therein. So in that, in, in that run-on sentence, you have the absolute sovereignty of God in election and salvation, him regenerating and sanctifying a person who is dead in their sin and that person freely and willfully choosing God, but only after those other things have taken place. So Man, that, you have, is a, that is a dense loaf of bread. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you've, you've got God's sovereignty and you have man's free will operating, yeah. but the yeah. caveat is... Uh, you, you have to be your will has to be made able to accept God and when it is it accepts God I mean yeah, it's, yeah. it's there absolutely yep we of course cannot uh, ignore what scripture has to say on this matter either and we go to uh, one of our favorite portions of scripture uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and starting in verse 8 uh, and 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, praise God, so that no one may boast. Yeah, that's, that's what's, what's, what's really striking about, about that particular verse for me that flies in the face of what, what Keith is saying in his article is, is right there um, in the center of verse 8. Uh, not, this is not of yourself, yeah. Okay, so so if you're telling me that I get to choose God's grace and God's grace isn't applied to me as a result of the uh, awakening of the Holy Spirit and and you know um, cleaning my eyes to see um, how, how do you how do you how do you justify the two? How, so so you yeah. you ha, you would have to say. Well, that's not what Scripture means, or you'd have to attack the supremacy of Scripture in mm. order to say, on one hand, that yes, I agree with Scripture, but but no, I get to choose, you know, God God's grace, you know, of myself. Mm -hmm. It it says it right here. It's not of yourself. So so you you don't get to initiate this process. God God is the initiator. Uh, uh, the 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 same way that that you know. Um, uh, he, you know, he carried Abraham through the the sacrifice and the covenant. He cut a covenant with himself mm -hmm. because we we couldn't do that. Well, it, it 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 comes down again to to not approaching this biblically theologically, and that is taking the Bible as a whole. You you see elsewhere in Scripture uh, the charge that you were to you must run the race. You must operate and 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 use your faith you're you're to you're to do the work and you know you can take that and run with it and it's like what's well, my faith i i exercise this faith and and we do i mean scripture clearly teaches that we are to exercise our faith and that that we have our own faith yeah but then you run into this 
And, you know, they'll make the argument, well, it's, is it the grace or the faith that is not of yourselves? Well, you know, it can, uh, I, I think you can say it's absolutely both. But even if you just look at it logically, we're not capable of showing grace, but we're capable of exercising faith. So if that is not, you know, grace is obviously not of ourselves because we can't actually exercise actual grace. That's something that God does. So, but we exercise faith. So that thing that we do is not of ourselves. So you you have to take it as a whole. And yeah, and I mean, you do have to wrestle with it. I mean, I'm not saying that you're going to sit down and get this really the first time you look at it, but you, you, you need to sit there and you need to wrestle with the scripture and see what it says. But when you come out of the other end, if you're being honest with yourself, you exercise your faith, but that faith is not of yourself. It's a great. Yeah. It's a yep. graceful gift of God. Yeah. Well, and and it's it's kind of like um, um, no no man has the ability to uh, separate his body and his spirit. Okay. So what did you what did you contribute to your birth? Nothing. You didn't Nothing. contribute anything to your birth. Well, what do you contribute to your new birth? Well, nothing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that ignites that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's to to me it's it's a it's a very very simple logic. I mean, and and the the scripture is is very clear here. You know, so uh, and we kind of talked about it a few minutes ago. If if you if you never had wings, and you never had the option to fly, how do you choose to fly? You you can't. Yeah. Um, let's let's make it even more stupid than that. Um, <laughs> you you, uh, you like before before the airplane. You you could think about flying all you wanted. Okay. Um, but but guess what? It it took two two lone individuals to actually figure out how how it how it worked. Okay. I I, I when I go on an airplane, I don't contribute anything to that airplane other than weighing down a seat. You know, and, well, and consuming pretzels. Yeah, you, you know. Well, you know, I can I can make it even dumber. Why don't we do this? So, so really, what what it is is it's it's spiritual evolution. It's a fish saying one day, all right, I'm going to grow legs and walk around on the land and become an ape. It's it's yeah. spiritual evolution. It's it's the determining of your own destiny by your own will, and. Uh, and we know yeah. evolution didn't happen, uh, yeah. so uh, you know this. This is not how this works. This is not how any of this works. <laughs> so on a on a on a side rabbit trail here, uh, I, I saw a funny joke because you talked about uh, evolution. It's it it said um, uh, we have to realize that there are animals in this world that will never realize that other animals exist. <laughs> and like, and when you think about that, like, it's like, oh man, my dog doesn't know what a whale is. How can, how, you know, so how could a, how could a dog conceptualize a thing that doesn't exist? It's, it's almost, <laughs> here's your, here's your Michael Scott, uh, reference for the day people. Uh, when, when he's talking about, uh, uh, when he was four years old, he dreamed up a, a horse with a horn on its head and called it a unicorn bef- before anybody ever showed him what a unicorn was. It's like, yeah, yeah. no. That 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 doesn't happen. So you can't you can't just dream up your salvation. 
You know, it's funny because great uh, John MacArthur's ministry, Grace to You, just got wrapped up the Battle for the Beginning series, going through uh, the you know the six days of creation and everything, and, and it talks about how you know humans are the only creatures that are capable of thinking abstractly. And you and you talking about your dog not knowing what a whale was. I don't know why yeah. I thought it's like, yeah, your dog is never going to come up with like the movie Blade Runner. You know, yeah, exactly. The, exactly. The animals are not doing this. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, given, given, yeah, given a million monkeys and a million typewriters and a million years, all you're going to have is a bunch of rusty typewriters and monkey bones. Yeah, you know, exactly. you're never going to come up with Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, and in the same way, man is not going to choose. No, he's not going to think think enough to choose the proper path when he has a depraved mind that's unregenerate, and and that's that's what this is. <laughs> so so this kind of leads us into um, uh, the the contention of uh, uh, the contention number two here. Yeah, they're closely related. Yeah, and and you 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 mentioned it a little bit, which whew, that's a that's a strong heresy to talk about spiritual rape, but um, uh, yeah, but but. Um, so Revis essentially um, uh, says that, you know, this is a violation of our free will um, since we have to uh, to choose to have faith, you know. So so but in reality, um, a dead body has no will um, and it has no choice, you know, yeah. so so the unregenerate uh, only obtain uh, uh, they, they only obtain their their perception of will. Um, but in reality, they are slaves to their sins. Um, mm-hmm. so, the, so the choice that they retain is sin or sin. Um, so when I was preparing for this, I, I, I was uh, – I'm sorry. I, I, have, I have too many movie references. But it's, but it's kind of <laughs> like um, uh, Neo sitting on the mess deck of the Nebuchadnezzar in, in The Matrix. And they're, they're showing him, hey, you know, welcome to the real world. And they pour this, this bowl of slop there. And they say, you know, if you close your eyes, it, it tastes like um, – you, you know, you can imagine it tastes like tasty weed or runny eggs. But yeah. you open your eyes and it's still slop. So what is the choice? No, the choice <laughs> is, is slop. Uh, your, your choice is, is sin. And so uh, when you approach somebody with a, that, has a, that has a hardened heart and they're sitting in this prison of sin and you approach them with the gospel – um, and, and they receive that general call. They they treat it like like it's something dangerous, like it's a snake that's going to get them. And, and you can see this all the time if you go out there and and watch some of the um, the street preaching uh, videos that you know Apologia and and um, um, oh, there's a new group that I found, um, the Abolitionists. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know if you you watch them preach, and as soon as they present the gospel to somebody, these people with hard hearts they get extremely nasty to the point of being violent. Um, yeah. You know, but it's it's the person that um, that um, receives the general call that then becomes the effectual call. Um, uh, that it's that person that. Um, it's as soon as they as soon as they latch on to that, they realize the prison cell um, that they are that they are in um, because uh, regeneration and, and salvation happen simultaneous. Yep. Um, so and that's that's one of the things that RC does a really good job talking about. And, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, uh, thanks to Pastor Van at, at church. 
we, we, we've been talking about this going through um, uh, Ephesians, um, and, and right now we're looking at chapter 5, um, and, and talking about kind of, uh, I'll call it a stack um, uh, the order in which things like logically happen that we that we try to to think about, and I like I like how RC explains it because it's more of um, he, he separates um, how we see it versus how God sees it. So mm-hmm. so so we try to see it linearly, but but God's not bound by time, so so he doesn't. Obviously, he doesn't think like we do, but he's not going to have he's not going to have the process of time forced on him. So so we would say, you know, um, you have regeneration and then um, justification, then sanctification and glorification. But but when you're thinking about these things, your regeneration and your justification, um, they happen at the same time. So Mm -hmm. the ability to to um, to 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 see the truth um, and that regeneration to bring, bring that heart of stone to life happens instantaneous. And so that person that formerly was blind, they, they awaken and they see, you know, it, they see the sin that they're steeped in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the, and they're able to then choose the supreme option, which is Christ. Yeah. Um, the other thing that RC does really good in that lesson is he talks about um, he talks about the word draw in scripture, uh, you know, and, and Christ says, uh, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And um, it's not just a it's not just a persuading. Um, you're not you're not there. And, uh, and here we go with the Arminians again. You know, if we can just persuade them enough, we can save yeah. them. Right. And then they can choose. But no, the 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 the, the primary meaning uh, for the Greek word draw, which I'm not even going to pronounce the word because I'm going to butcher it. If you want to look <laughs> it up real quick, Mike. Um, but the primary <laughs> meaning behind that is 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 actually to compel, which is mm-hmm. uh, a stronger than the word persuade. Um, so, so we don't, uh, so we do resist the grace of God, but his, uh, his grace is more powerful than our resistance. Okay. So, yeah. so it, it, his, his compulsion of us to him is stronger than our resistance. So, so it's not that, um, it's not that we have, or we obtain or utilize irresistible grace. It, it's that we do resist God, but his love is such that even in our resistance, we are still uh, compelled and then through uh, regeneration and progressive sanctification. Um, our hearts are turned and then that level of resistance um, in, in a growing Christian, because because there are other there are stagnant Christians out there. Um, there are Christians that are in periods of sin, you know, where, where that resistance would be higher. But in a growing Christian, as their sanctification increases, their resistance to God decreases. There's there's a direct correlation there. You know, and it's it's great you mentioned that because uh, there was a, a quote by John Calvin um that really fits in with this the, that that tension of trying to understand man's unwillingness and everything, and it comes from his uh, commentary in John six. Uh, Calvin said, uh, "We ought not to wonder if many refuse to embrace the gospel, 
because no man will ever of himself be able to come to Christ, but God must first approach him by his spirit. And hence it follows that all are not drawn, but that God bestows this grace on those whom he has elected. True indeed, as to the kind of drawing, it is not violent, so as to compel men by external force, but still it is a powerful impulse of the Holy Spirit, which makes men willing, who formerly were unwilling and reluctant. And which is is just what you you said and what we've been saying is that that it does not do violence against man's will but right. those who were unwilling are now made willing and they they choose the superior option just like right. you said yep yep and i think just to to bring it back again because we're reformed and we're confessional and uh and this time because i'm a baptist i will use the 1689 london baptist confession Amen. Uh, on and, and it, it fits in right here. It comes from chapter 10, which is effectual calling. Uh, chapter 10, section 1 says, Those whom God has predestined to life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time to effectually call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death, which they are in by nature, to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. He enlightens their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Remember, the natural man does not understand the things of God. He takes away their heart of stone and gives to them a heart of flesh. He renews their wills and by his almighty power causes them to desire and pursue that which is good. He effectually draws them to Jesus Christ yet in such a way that they come absolutely freely, being made willing by his grace. So before we were unwilling, we resisted, we were rebellious, but when we're regenerated, we're given the new heart, our wills, I like the way it says that he renews their wills, our will is renewed, uh, not perfectly like what we will have in the eternal state, but while we're here on earth, and we of course will choose God at that point because we actually see him for who he is and what he has done for us, for the elect and uh, so we have we have free will, but by God's grace, that that free will is made to do, make the right choice. Yeah, Amen, Amen. So that 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 kind of uh, that kind of lands the plane for us, Mike. I, I think so. It's uh, forty. Yeah, it's a shorter episode than what we usually do because we tend to drone on quite a bit. <laughs> we're getting we're getting a little more concise here. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting concise. We're getting efficient. We're uh, we're we're getting there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited because we're 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 coming to the end of our first series, um, and I know we have some some exciting content uh, coming up uh, that that we're going to be discussing. Uh, so, yeah, this this is. Let me tell you what. Uh, uh, podcasting is fun, people. It it really yeah. is fun. I told you it was. I'm glad we yeah. we, uh, we we went this route. So, well, uh, yeah, that's going to bring uh, episode eight to a close, and we are so grateful. Uh, we are grateful first and foremost uh, to our Lord and Savior for saving us. We are grateful to God for giving us the opportunity to be able to produce this and uh, to to do this. It's fun. It's educational. We learned a lot when we do this research and everything. Uh, for what we've talked about in this episode on a, a effectual grace, we'll have stuff down in the show notes. So be be on the lookout for links to various websites for uh, articles or sermon series and things like that. 
that to help elaborate on what we've talked about in ways that we are certainly not capable of doing uh, within an hour or within a month of podcasts. (laughs) So uh, be sure to check those out and be on the lookout for our last episode. We're finally getting to the end of the Doctrines of Grace. We're getting to the P and Tulip, and that will be on the perseverance or the preservation of the saints uh, sometimes called once saved, always saved, and uh, I've been having been in a lot of interesting discussions on this one lately. So uh, this should be a good episode that's going to be coming up. So Excellent. thank you, yeah. So thank you again for listening, and until next time, God bless.